Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Um, I fell in love with, with taking pictures at a very early age. That was just something that, that my mother and I did. And for me, I've always found that, that photography allows me to find beauty in some of the simplest things. You know, it's, it's framing the, the, the things that we take for granted in our day-to-day lives, you know, in a certain way can really help to bring out the beauty and, and help us appreciate the things that, that we do take for granted. So for me, it's just, it's all about finding the search for and finding uh, new perspectives and new ways to look at things. Great. So Tim, Tim Coleman, thank you for joining me on Shooting It Raw. Tim, I have known you for a while. This will all come out. It'll all come out in the, uh, in the conversation. And I, you know, we haven't spoken in a few years and uh, let's catch up. So yes, yeah, let's just dive right in. Right. So the photo I'm looking at right now, let me describe it. So people who are listening can get a sense of it. There are two figures in the image. One person, you, is kind of walking with arms up, threading himself through a crowd. In front of you, there's a guy who's Balinese. I know his, he's from Bali because we are in Bali. He's wearing a kind of a toque, just kind of, you know, just basically covering his head. He's looking pretty fly, pretty cool. And he, you're, we're, we're surrounded by what is a wedding, a bamboo wedding, and you're the only Caucasian face uh, in the crowd. So you're walking through. You can't see your whole face. You can just see your eye where you're kind of looking forwards. You can see your cheekbone and the skin going up because it looks like you're, sm- you're grinning, you're smiling, you're having an amazing time. In your right hand, you're holding a small digital camera. In your left hand, you're holding, you're putting your two fingers up, like, you know, rock and roll horns. And you're just, you're wearing a tank top, a black tank top. You're sneaking through and it's an incredible moment. And so here's the question. I I asked you, I said, hey, Tim, would you be on my podcast? All you need to do is pick three photographs that share a bit of where you are right now, what's in your head right now, and what you want to put onto the world. And this is the first one you picked. Tell me the story, man. Well, that photo... Um, was came at an interesting point of transition in my life. Um, I was on my way to getting a divorce um, the year previous to that photo. And I, you know, after being in a relationship for about nine years um, and just giving of myself and, and really feeling like I, I had kind of put some of my professional goals and um, dreams on hold, to support my spouse, I found myself like, okay, well, this marriage is ending. You know, what, how do I get back to me? You know, what was it about me that, what did I used to do before this marriage when it was just me that really brought joy to my life? And um, I just had this epiphany that was like, it was travel, you know, traveling the world and, and experiencing different cultures, meeting different people, just seeing, looking at the world through other people's eyes as much as I could, mm-hmm. you know, by traveling. And so, you know, I, I traveled to, to Hong Kong and had an amazing experience. And it was so amazing that, you know, after my divorce, I was like, you know, that maybe that was just too good to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to have to go back mm-hmm. for, for, for round two. And, and, and really, you know, instead of just staying in Hong Kong, um, maybe travel with, with my friends, Ran and Delian, to someplace and ex- experience a, a, a trip with them. And so we decided to go to, uh, to Bali. And uh, I remember you saying, uh, you know, if you're going to travel with us, you got to get your chops up and uh, on, on the back of a motorcycle. Cause that's the way we like to travel. So it was like, okay, here we're headed for Bali for this amazing trip on a motorcycle. And I was really a novice, just a, a total rookie on a motorcycle. And I remember that first day we took off from Denpasar 
headed, you know, west, and um, I almost died. <laughs> you know, so it was sort of like this. Okay, that that I almost died. Sink like, or swim. This is this is what living is all about. Sink or know? swim. Come like, on, it, you can do it. it. <laughs> yeah, added a added a little extra spice to the voyage, you yeah. know. And then, so here we were. You know, our first stop was in Madewi. And we're sitting there watching the sunset, watching people surf. And one of the locals came up and, and chatted us up. And, um, we invited him to dinner with us. And over the course of dinner, he invited us to go to this wedding. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things where, you know, like, you know, most people that I know would have been like, hell no. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, don't, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. I'm not following you off into um, the sugarcane fields to mm-hmm. God knows where, like, there's no way. Yeah. But, you know, that, that sort of trepidation just, just never crossed my mind. And I don't think it crossed y'all's minds either. Nope. And so here we were, like, we just stumbled onto this amazing wedding with, it was like about a, a 20 person uh, bamboo band, like a bunch yeah. of bamboo instruments, xylophones, whatnot. And there were, uh, it was a Balinese dancer, Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, it was like it was magical. Like we were celebrity. It was, but it was, yeah, yeah but it, it was. It wasn't like the original Wedding Crashers, you no. know. And and here we were, just welcomed with open arms, mm-hmm. and and it was just one of those things. Like that is exactly the kind of experience that I was looking for to mm-hmm. sort of get back to me. And so I found that that photo really sort of encapsulates achieving that goal of just, you know, cause I always, the thing that I really love about traveling is, is being in this foreign culture and, you know, uh, another language and just figuring out how to make connections with people mm-hmm. and, and, and enjoy myself. And, and I think that picture really, really speaks to that. Oh, for sure. You know, I've known you through Delian and, you know, it's one of these things then that as, as soon as we meet, we just, you know, you're the kind of person who just gives the energy forward. And it's like the brightness and the warmth. Yeah, we were like, yeah, let's rehabilitate Tim, you know. So we went to, to Bali. If I can kind of round out the, the, the photo is that, um, so basically there were hundreds of people at this wedding and it's outside. And you have the band, the, the sort of the Balinese band playing the, the percussion on the sort of the the bamboo metal xylophones and the music was all around us and it was full and it was deep and it was just it was so total and it was so uplifting that mm-hmm. that day was easily one of the most you know magical musical events i've been I've been lucky enough to to be in because if we place ourselves back at that feeling you know of that the music was so it was always syncopated and it was really like traveling in a sense and everybody was all in there. And so that we stood out because of our foreignness or whatever it was, you know, obvious, it was obvious. We we're the only yes. sort of foreigners there. And that's why they pulled us to, to the front to dance individually with the Balinese, the traditional Balinese dancer. Yes. What I find also interesting is that making the connections, like this is you previously in a marriage that is just so dark and so terrible and you just needed you know your health needed to get out of so you could sort of reconnect to your own life and isn't it interesting that the next event that made you that you connect in your mind in terms of your history and your thought process is in fact a marriage ceremony on the other side of the world (laughs) absolutely you know (laughs) yeah Call it a rebound. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. But no, I think that was, I, I think that really lends itself to like how special it was, you mm-hmm. know, because you, you think about wedding crashers and it's like, oh, well, how dare you like intrude mm-hmm. on, you know, like it's, it's most cultures like marriage is a, is a holy sacrament. Yeah. So it's like this sacred ritual and here's this guy, this pasty white dude from Houston, Texas, that rides up on his motorcycle. You know, it's just like, hey, 
Super fun. Let's let's get married. <laughs> well, not you. <laughs> but it was it was it was truly. It's like it was. It just it's a you know it's a testament to actually an experience of being in a different culture where where actually you know what Ev- everybody can come come along. It's a, it's a time of celebration and also yeah that they'll they'll you know we literally knew the guy for about three or four hours beforehand and then he invites us to right. to this wedding and it was. Like his little decision, like, you know what, I'm going to invite these people to this wedding because it's like, it's fun and it's great. And he did that. And then here we are 12 years later, still so connected to that moment. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's like, I guess when, when you asked me to pick out three photographs, I tried to pick out photographs that were metaphors for like these seminal moments in my life Mm -hmm. you know it was just like something that was very representational and uh, and, in moments that i felt helped were were like moments of transition for me Mm -hmm. you know sort Mm -hmm. of reawakening or 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 just being in the moment Mm -hmm. and and making the most of it right right very present very present Absolutely. Let's let's use that as uh, the the sort of the natural segue to go to the next one, which is just again bonkersly perfect. The the photograph is uh, it could very well be a color photograph, but it it's rendered because you're photographing into the into the sun. Uh, so there's one third of this of the of the image is just the sky with a very, very high cloud, mostly like sunny with cloudy periods, like very, very bright. The bottom looks like an ocean or a sea. And the focal point of the image is a figure, a human. I'm assuming it's you. I know it's you. It must be you. Caught flipping in a flip. And so you're, you're hugging your legs. Your feet are pointing straight up to the sky. Your head is pointing straight down to the ground. And it's perfectly 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 symmetric like balanced that it's just that you're upside down like perfectly upside down and the what makes the image really kind of pop is that your complete silhouetted image in this crouched pose is in the line of the sunlight reflecting off the water so it's i mean whoever made this photo props respect like it was it was perfect that was me I'm I'm the cameraman. Oh, you're the photographer. I am. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And so, <laughs> who's flipping? It, it's it was just it was a weird thing. I mean, and that was it, it's another example of of like what I really enjoy about about traveling. I had made uh, a, a plans to go with um, this woman. It was actually our first date. Oh, uh, she she was a neighbor of mine. And um, I have a friend in Oregon that had another friend that owned a condo on the island of Roatan, Honduras, which is about a two-hour flight south of Houston. So, you know, we we made we we organized this trip to go and meet my friend and stay at this condo for free in Roatan for a week. And so, uh, my neighbor and I bought tickets. We're all ready to go. And about a week before we were heading down there, my friend called me and said, "Hey." Sorry, my friend's condo is under repair. Um, I'm not going to go. He's not going. I apologize. Ugh. And so here my neighbor and I are like, well, we've got tickets. Mm-hmm. Let's just go anyway and we'll figure it out. Oh, and nice. so we ended up staying at like this cool little beach beach shack uh, resort that had this pier out in front that was like L-shaped. And so if you walked out, it, it took a sharp turn to the right. And at the end of the L, there was like a double-decker deck. You know, it was like two-story deck. Mm-hmm. And so my date and I were up there listening to music, just having some cocktails. And people would come up and and jump off the top into the ocean mm-hmm. down below. Oh, wow. It looks Caribbean high. It, yeah, it's about, you know, 20 feet over the water. Mm-hmm. And um, this two guys and a woman came up. And so they were running along the railing and jumping off. So there's like, I have a series of that guy in that image taken from the back 
as he ran along the, you know, it was sort of, you know, just had my high speed shutter going and just took random series of photos of him running and jumping off. And then his buddy jumping off. And, and then I moved around Mm -hmm. and, and switched angles so that I could, you know, hopefully get him uh, silhouetted by the sun, you know, the sunset coming down. And it just, it was just one of those things, you know, it was like, oh my God, you don't know what you have until you, you know, open up your, your, your card and, and see what images you've got. And it was like, you know, here, like I had every reason to not go on this trip, Mm -hmm. um, but my friend and I went and we made the most of it. And to be honest with you, I think that is my favorite photo of all time. Oh, wow. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's it, just because the way it happened, yeah. it was just, just luck. And, and, and like I said in the beginning, you know, it was just finding beauty in, in sort of mundane things. Mm. And that's, that's really what I think photography can do yeah well like for example one of the things that uh, that i kind of use as a as a thought experiment is to say look let's assi- let's assume a photograph the shutter opens and closes on average let's say 1 60th of a second or 250th of a second like in this image or whatever and in effect one second of real time could have 250 photos or one second of real time could have 60 photos, like for one sixtieth of a second. In a way, mm-hmm. isn't it amazing that, yeah, you made all these images and that this one moment that is just, everything lines up so perfectly, this one moment you manage to, to get and it can inspire and it can make people look again and it can make people just kind of go, wow, like it, it, it just so thought-provoking, uplifting. So when I saw it, I just thought that was you and somebody was photographing you. And somehow they managed to get this absolutely perfect moment. But you're the photographer and you managed to get this absolutely mm-hmm. perfect moment. But because the person is in perfect silhouette, that could be anybody. That could be any one of us. And yeah. I love it. It's such a good photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 just a you know pregnant pause, and, and and it's just like uh, the thing is is sort of you know things are upside down. Yeah, they can be upside down, but they can also be beautiful sure. at the same time. Sure, you know it's just it just goes back to how you choose to to view what's going on around you. You know what how you choose to perceive your own reality well look at you you just lined up the next photo i mean better than that i couldn't have done let's go on to the next photo because ah man what what an image okay this is a big one okay so let me describe it um unless you want to describe it like visually so somebody who's looking at it doesn't have like can get a sense of what we're looking at go go ahead you do a beautiful job of listening to several of your podcasts it's awesome. Thank you. Okay, so um, it's a photo of a group, one, two, three, four, five, six people who are clearly friendly with each other. Uh, one woman is holding probably what looks like a plastic gun. Uh, one guy is kind of hugging what looks like a, a brand new spade. Uh, one guy has what looks like maybe, a, a, what's that called? Up, stand up paddleboard paddle. One woman is putting her hand up with something in her hand. I don't know what it is. Oh, she has she has uh, uh, rubber gloves that look quite dirty. One guy behind is standing with a bottle of probably Heineken, and then there's you with a like a, a healthy beard holding what looks like a jigsaw, like a, a cordless jigsaw. Now behind, now that's fine. So you have this group photo. Around you is broken up wood benches, the insides like flooring, uh, could be the roof, like a, there's a, there's a, a, a young child's um, blackboard with something written on it even, uh, and behind this, this mass of just construction debris is, you know, the lawn, which looks okay, you've got the, 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 the fence, and then you've got uh, one of those houses that looks like a, uh, like a ranch style house, all one floor, brown brick, but yeah, this is a whole group that has pitched in together, obviously positive, feeling good. Take it away, Tim. 
Well, that photo is um, the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey, Mm -hmm. which hit um, three years ago here in Houston. And my house had about 23 inches of standing water in it. Mm. And so, you know, um, in the middle of the storm, I, I just... You know, it was it was time to get out of my house as as the water level was rising and, you know, getting close to the outlets in my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, OK, I probably need to get out of here before I, I start getting uh, shocked. shocked and whatnot. <laughs> so I ended up uh, going next door that that house that you see to the right mm-hmm. to my neighbor's house. He's an avid kayak fisherman. So I. I uh, borrowed a kayak of his and and grabbed my dog and got in the kayak and kayaked six miles through the hurricane to my ex-wife's house. Oh, wow. And stayed there with my daughter and, and my ex-wife and kind of helped them, you know, secure things around their house. Fortunately, only her garage flooded. But my house was pretty much a total loss. And so all that debris you see around me is just the flooring. There's tile, um, like that's hardwood floor cut up into sections, Mm -hmm. couches. I mean, you name it. It's a mountain of households. Yeah. A mountain of debris. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it was, uh, I, I didn't go back the next day to my house. Like the water, went down fairly rapidly. I'd say in about 16 hours, mm-hmm. like I could have gone back to my house, but I just stayed a day. And so I went back the second day and I wanted to go by myself because I, I knew it was going to be emotional because of course I wasn't able to secure everything that I wanted to. And so, you know, went into my house, had a good cry and just kind of let go of things and just accepted this new reality. And then went ahead and started the the demolition myself, you know, because huh. that was, that was really my therapy was, you know, swinging a, a sledgehammer and, you know, getting out the power tools, the saws all, and just, just going for it. And the amazing thing ran was just, you know, here I was sort of at rock bottom, just like, Oh my gosh, you know, every, like some of my most treasured possessions, like, Photos that I had um, that were from pre-digital age, I'd forgotten in a box and, you know, they were all ruined. And it was, I I still haven't been able to go through that box just to pinpoint exactly what all was lost. Mm -hmm. And that's been three years, you know, so it's here I was just broken and I had people showing up to just random strangers would come up and knock on my door and I'd like, what you know go to the door and can i help you and like no no can i help you you need any help man and it was huh. just you know so then wow. it just began this no pun intended like this flood of love and support i started you know i had some friends post some things on facebook about the flood and the devastation and so people that i hadn't mm-hmm. talked to since high school would send me a check for, you know, $500 here, $250 here, $1,000 here. Oh, wow. Literally people I hadn't seen in 30, 40 years. And it was just this outpouring of love. Um, A a very good girlfriend of mine came over and uh, she started up a GoFundMe for me that that ended up raising $10,000. And in this photo, right there to my, to the left of me in the blue shirt is my best friend in Houston, uh, Gustavo and behind him with the, uh, with the Heineken is my other best friend here in Houston, uh, Justin. And then that's my daughter, Gabriella. Um, the idea of this photo was to sort of do sort of a take a goofy take on American Gothic. So it's like, she's got, she's okay. got my BB gun, my daughter in the, in the yellow mm-hmm. and behind her is my ex-wife. And, um, to the left of her, is an Australian fellow that was good friends with my ex-wife. And he was a huge help, mm-hmm. even though I think his motivations might have been to get with my ex-wife, which was fine because he's in there cleaning and busting up, you know. Yeah. And just to let you know that um, that tool that he's holding. Oh, it's a tool. Um, in Hawaii, they call it an a'a, which is just a, a digging stick. It's made out of iron. And so the, the tip of it, which mm-hmm. you can't see, it's cutting off 
at the very bottom there is just like a chisel and it's very heavy about 20 mm-hmm. 30 pounds and it's like the best tool for right. for demo you know you would slide it up underneath those sections of hardwood floor that were stuck to the floor with tar and you just slide it under there and pry it up mm-hmm. and yeah it was it was awesome wow well okay so a couple of things that stand out one is the the lights are on inside the building so i was like okay so the light there's well one there's one light it's like the outdoor sort of sort of light that sort of welcomes people in there's the american flag right right you know americans love their flag what other what it makes the image is that now that i know that's your daughter you're both wearing these bright yellow t-shirts and visually the two of you stand out whereas the other people because it's all somewhat muted colors they they kind of almost fade out in terms of perception right so when i look at this you know the two people who are holding the the bb gun that your daughter's holding the saw or whatever that you're holding they're both kind of held together in the same orientation mm-hmm. um so just visually it's kind of like as as a, as a photograph if i was going to look at it aesthetically it's there's a lot going on and it's a beautifully composed and all that stuff. And then and then there's the content of the image, right? So we go deeper into well, the content of it, which if people can connect with, like when I see it, I connect it to the tsunami, right? Because the tsunami just came in and it just destroyed yes. everybody's houses. And it's from one moment to the next, from one day to the next. And this is another value of, of the podcast is like, what if we can make every moment count you know what if every second is a gift and so i'm sure that while you were waiting to sort of go back to your house your headspace went down to some dark places and then when you came back and had to face it you had to kind of in a sense clear out the wreckage of your own head in the same way like with with your house yes it's kind of quite metaphorical and also since i know what has happened since then how about you talk about how what's the symbolism of rebuilding your house and where you are today well it's um that's a great question you know um when that photo was taken i was working as um, a school counselor like uh the the gentleman drinking the beer behind me justin he's he's a a co-worker of mine he's pe coach at at my school Mm -hmm. and you know so it was just it it inspired me to to go ahead and get my professional license in counseling so that you know i i could take what i do during the day from you know 7 30 to 2 35 every day with with the kids at my high school that i could go out and support other people in the community you know whoever it might be whoever Mm -hmm. shows up i mean it's like my client base is you know, very similar to the kids that I, I work with during the day at school uh, to couples and, and geriatric clients. You know, so it's I, I find it fascinating and, and very challenging. You know, I like sort of in, in the sense of, of shooting at raw, just counseling in the raw, you know, just just having people show up. And it's just like, hey, Ren, like what brings you into the office today? And, and you just have no idea mm-hmm. where that conversation is, is going to take you in, in a therapeutic, in a therapeutic setting. So it's just, it's just fascinating. Mm. And, and, and for me, I guess what that whole experience showed me was, like I said before, it's like, here I was at rock bottom, you know, all my worldly possessions. Well, most everything that I did stash up in the attic was gone, you know, no furniture, mm-hmm. Uh, the kitchen, every, everything's just destroyed. But yet here I was, you know, able to find meaning and, and joy and and rebirth in in all, in the midst mm-hmm. of all this devastation, you know. And it was just, I mean, the whole neighborhood, the whole city of Houston, for the most part, was just. I mean, I kayaked six miles across Houston and only had to get out oh, wow. one time to drag my kayak about 30 meters to where it would float again. So it was like, like kayaking through Venice or something, just all these boulevards of muddy water and devastation and silence, Mm -hmm. 
this giant city that was just just all you could hear was wind and rain it, it was it was really an wow. amazing experience you know and it was it went from oh my god i've lost everything to you know sort of that 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 uh fight club moment where it's like hey the stuff you own ends up owning you in the end it was a here i was i was liberated like prior to that experience i would have to admit that i was a bit of an emotional hoarder you know i still have some t-shirts mm-hmm. from my first archaeological digs back in 1991 you know it's like maybe i should should pitch that but you know it's um harvey came along and, and helped helped me purge a number of things and it was just it was very liberating you know, I, I loved my house, mm-hmm. but it was a bit of a money pit, you know, and it was like, okay, for a few years, I'd been sort of trying to find an exit strategy. But it's one of those deals where you buy a fixer upper, and then you don't have the funds to fix it up. So, you know, what do I do? I'm sort of stuck in this place. And here comes mm-hmm. this hurricane. And, you know, the initial reaction is like, oh, my God, like, devastation and and then it turns to you're gonna give me one hundred forty thousand dollars in insurance (laughs) like this is fantastic you know this is like a a weight off my shoulders (laughs) and you know it's it's just i think that the the lesson that i had was just being able to find meaning in like the worst situations right right you know it's 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 just like i said earlier it's just a it's a matter of perspective how you choose to look at these things. So how how does that inform? I mean, clearly it'll inform how you you connect with people in terms of your counseling. So one of the things, so I I hadn't met you until you came and and hung and actually stayed stayed a couple of weeks uh, with us in Hong Kong, and it was just like ah oh, Tim, you know, and 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 maybe it's because I'm the kind of person who likes to sit with people and have these intense conversations, but you were certainly a participant where we would have these intense conversations. And then fast forward to the next year, or a couple of years later, whenever you came and we went to Bali, again, this very self, not self-reflective, but reflective time together. And so I know you as a person who speaks his heart and his mind uh, easily. And so I could see how in something like the the hurricane and then later as a counselor, this part of who you are is is so useful or, or great at connecting with other people. So right now, in terms of, of COVID, what's the reaction as a counselor of people turning to you? What like as a counselor, speak speak to, to the, the current reality as as a trained counselor. Well, um, I guess that I would start off by just a brief description of the, what my philosophy of counseling is, you know, what, what which okay. um, theory of counseling I ascribe to. And it, it's, I was feeling this way before I even got into graduate school, thanks to Miss Delian Gaskell, you know, because when I was going through my divorce, uh, she sent me a self-help book called, uh, titled When Things Fall Apart by Pima Chodron. And it, the book, you know, Pima Chodron is a, is a Buddhist. So there's a lot of information about Buddhism, but Buddhist perspective, just basically that bad things happen. And the only, th- the, the only thing that we can control is how we choose to react when those bad things happen. And you can, you can run away mm-hmm. from the pain or you can turn into it and deal with it and find some way to grow from it. And that really spoke to me okay. because it's like the simile that I like to give people is it's like when you feel like you, you, you want to cry and, and you're putting it off, you're putting it off. It's like, no, I'm a, I'm a big, strong man. I'm a macho dude. I can't cry. I can't cry. And then it overcomes you and you have a good cry. And immediately afterward, you feel like, 30 pounds lighter, you know, it's just like this huge weight has been lifting off your soul. And like, you know, this crying is very therapeutic. It's your body telling you like, Hey, I need to release all of this energy and let's just have this catharsis and and get it out, you know? And, And so 
I believe, you know, when we're faced with challenges, you should turn into them and, and, and face them and, and sort of run towards the flames instead of away because, yeah. you know, it's, it's not going to go away just by running away. You need the sooner that you turn into it and, and you face it, the better off you're going to be. One of the, if I, if I can interrupt for a second, one of the, when I do some training with people, you know, in terms of both actually in terms of the leadership training, but also in terms of the coaching and, you know, the Muay Thai mm -hmm. training, it's very much this idea of, oddly enough, it's like, go into, go towards, don't, don't be, don't go away, but go toward, go towards, for example, go towards or into the punch, go into the kick, which is kind of very counterintuitive until you learn how to make that your practice, because that, just going towards or into a punch or into a kick, in fact, saps the energy and helps you get through it. And when you're telling me, like, you have to face it, for example, like you waking up the next morning and saying, okay, I'm going to go into that house and go into it as a therapeutic step, I'm 100% mm -hmm. behind you. Yeah, and then, and then there was another book that a, a friend gave me. It's called Man's Search for Meaning. And the author is Viktor Frankl. Mm -hmm. And Viktor Frankl is, is a psychiatrist that spent time in four Nazi death camps, Auschwitz, Dachau, a few others. Wow. And, you know, he had this medical training. And so they would use him as a doctor among the Jews in these death camps. Yeah. And, and, and the book is all about... Even while he was in these Nazi death camps, these horrible human conditions, people were able to find meaning. And so it was just like, okay, well, that's, that's people choosing to find some good, some meaning in their life and, and turning into, you know, this, this, this challenge, this, this horrible situation that they're dealing with. And they're able to, to, through perspective and, and just the sure will, like able, able to find meaning in their life. It's an awesome book. I highly recommend And, and yeah. that's something that those two things really formed my philosophy of, and, and, and my approach to, to counseling and, and helping my clients, you know, because it's like, okay, mm -hmm. um, you've, Client A, you've dealt with, you know, abuse in your childhood, but what are we going to do now? You know, I, I like to focus. Mm -hmm. I I don't really delve into the past too much because I just believe there's not anything that we can really do to change the past. I strive to help people reframe their perceptions of the things that they're doing and 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 move past these past stressors or, or, or transgressions and crises that they've had, the, the, the trauma that they've had in their past, and just find some way to, to help them find closure so that they can compartmentalize it and, and move on and hopefully get back on uh, a, a healthier pathway in their life. So fast forward to 2020 with COVID, and it's just anxiety man it's just it's everywhere would you agree that right now where we're having a generation of kids who are forming their psyche is forming in the in this past couple of years like this year and next or say this year and last like however you want to put those the, the so the bookends that contain this period of the pandemic and because i have a kid who's nine years old mm -hmm. that in a decade, there's going to be the syndrome that's going to come out. The fears and anxieties are just going to surface or bubble up. What's your perception of what's happening these days, this year? Well, I believe a, a, the largest amount of anxiety is coming from disinformation. There's like these warring factions of, of information that are, you know, we just... We're, we're, we just concluded a presidential election, which is never a good thing for, for people's anxiety. And so we've, we had this perfect storm of, you know, our sitting president and this, this war on facts to garner favor in an election year is sort of politicizing hmm. a pandemic. 
I would say, you know, it's perhaps on both sides, you know, but um, it's honestly, I, I don't know about kids having a syndrome, Rand, because one thing that, that really strikes me being around young kids and, and just, you know, I've been in education since for, for 20 years now. And so it's like, as you see technology become more and more a part of our daily lives, I, I think we might be headed towards a syndrome more if there weren't things like Snapchat and Facebook and, and FaceTime and, and whatnot, hmm. because the things that I've seen in my daughter and her friends and, and, and in a number of my students is like, I, I don't know what it was like for you, but me and my friend group, when we grew up, our parents came and got us out of school on our 16th birthday to take us down to the Department of Motor Vehicles so that we could take our driver's test, get our license and be semi-autonomous. You know, the parents were like, hey, great. Mm -hmm. I don't have to drive you everywhere. You're more self-sufficient, you know, <laughs> and it was that's what we all did. It was like, hey, yeah, mm -hmm. going to get my driver's test. Mom's taking me out of school early, blah, blah, blah. And nowadays, like kids aren't even really interested in getting their driver's license. I would say the majority of them are not. Wow. You know, and it's like and even my daughter, she was 17 years old when she got hers and it was sort of like an afterthought like well, okay i might as well go ahead and get my license now huh. you know because it's you don't these days you don't have to drive to your friend's house to be with your friends you know you've got this right suite of technology you know you snapchat you know, instagram you know facetime whatever the case may be and you're with your friends you know whereas when i was that age it's you had these phones with a really long stretchy cord on them and you would you know, stretch it to its limit to try to get some privacy so that your parents could, couldn't, yeah. couldn't hear your conversation, you know? So it's just, I think that with, with this explosion of, of technology, I think it, it's, it's helped people stay connected. I'm just amazed at all these collaborations, you know, where you see all these artists get together and they do these songs on Zoom and, you know, it's very uplifting and, yeah. and it's, it's a lot easier these days to be connected. And while there may be a lot of disinformation so, out there, I mean, the, there is, the information is out there if you just want to dig and find it. So you have the experience of counseling in schools, counseling, you know, children, but you're also, you know, mid midlife, uh, also the elderly, as you said. So yes. for the people who are who are hurting right now, who are, are having the difficulty, what can we give them, or what can you say as a kind of antidote to what's been happening with COVID in terms of the anxieties, in terms of the misinformation? As a counselor, what tools can you suggest for people to actually use to help them get through some difficult times at the moment? either in terms of loneliness, in terms of anxiety, in terms of anguish? Yeah. Um, what I suggest to people all the time is like going back to when, when we were all in lockdown. It was like, okay, well, we're not commuting to work. We're not really going to work. We're working remotely. There should be more spare time. And... So for me, like the, the things that I was suggesting that people do was something that they wanted to do, whether it be like learning a language or, or, or dancing or, or, or just some sort of activity that, that they'd had on their bucket list, you know, go ahead and, and, and lean into that. Mm. Um, connect with your friends as much as possible. Write a letter. I mean, when was the last time you got like a handwritten letter from somebody? You know, and it's just, and, and, mm. and, and it's crazy because now when you get one, it's like, oh my God, this is so special, you know, and it's just little things like that, you know, just sort of turning the focus away from the outside, all the noise and just shutting that off as much as possible and just focusing on the things that you can control. It's uh, mm -hmm. get into like, learning how to cook Thai food or, or, or something like that, you know, just something that, that 
I, I guess, you know, personal, professional development. Mm -hmm. Like I said, just focusing on yourself, you know, just, just um, using that time constructively. You know, I, I always believe that you know, right. staying busy helps keep you from dwelling on things that you can't control anyway. Mm -hmm. So have you been doing that yourself? Yes, I have. I'm working with a friend right now, which is pretty crazy. It's a, a, a guy that I met when I, I got a, a grant to go study Spanish literature in Costa Rica. And in this little town I was in, Costa Rica, uh, I met this guy from Nebraska that was down in, in Costa Rica building his own uh, tapas restaurant. And this guy is like uh, studied culinary arts in Spain, very charismatic, great guy. We've kept in touch over the years. And just about a month ago, he called me up out of the blue and was like, hey, I've got this idea. I want to create an online program to teach people kitchen Spanish because I have a good buddy who's a chef and he can't communicate with the people that are working in his kitchen. And so here we are, you know, and I think it's, it's like, it's got a lot of, of great potential. And I've always wanted to do something, you know, having been a, a Spanish teacher for, for seven years, a bilingual teacher four years before that, I've always participated. I was a, a study abroad student to Argentina for a summer. I studied abroad in France. I studied abroad in Mexico. I had that grant in Costa Rica. I taught English in Colombia. So I've got mm -hmm. a lot of experience with international education, foreign language education. And so I had a business plan years ago, but I, but I sort of chickened out after 9-11 because post 9-11, there was a lot of uncertainty about issuing student visas and that was going to be my clientele. So it was like, okay, well, let me just go into like regular education, shelve that. And so here comes this odd connection out of the blue. And I told him, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you called me because I've always wanted to do something like this, but I doing it on my own just seemed a bit too daunting. And he was like, oh my God, like I'm the same way, you know? So hopefully if we put our heads together, we can make something that could be pretty awesome. From my work uh, in terms of as a, cons a business consultant, in terms of when we talk about entrepreneurship, which is essentially what you're doing with 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 your with your friend, mm -hmm. that entrepreneurial moment is about getting people together, like the human ingenuity and human power, human uh, ability to create things is by working together by bringing people together. So you you're kind of Right now, you're in that startup stage of connecting with this co-founder who together you're going to create something. It makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Perfect sense. Yes. Yes. And I, what is that? Sorry. I keep, I turn my phone off and it's <laughs> like, I turn off, I, I got like my, my phone on the computer here and it's like, damn it. So, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's my, <laughs> the computer tells, I want to talk about this, <laughs> but no, it was, uh, over uh, like, like my COVID experience was I flew home, um, the first part of March for spring break to go with my parents, just hang out mm -hmm. for a week. And while I was up there, they decided to shut down the school. So I extended my flight another week. And then the district came back and said, okay, well, we're going to uh, postpone school for another two weeks. So I postponed my flight for another two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up canceling it. And so I stayed for the first nine and a half weeks of, of the pandemic up in Oregon at my parents' house, who, who have like a lovely uh, seven-acre house, um, riverfront property. Oh, wow. I could go to my two-bedroom apartment in Houston or, or stay here and catch trout in the backyard, you know, this is a no brainer. And in February of last year, um, I purchased tickets to go to Iceland for 16 days with my daughter because she graduated from high school and that was going to be our senior trip. 
And so right when I got back to Houston from Oregon, I learned that they'd canceled our flight because, you know, America wasn't doing very well and managing the coronavirus and Iceland, you know, a very small population had tested everybody. And they're like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. You guys stay together. (laughs) So I was, you know, I called my daughter's like, oh, bad news. And she's like, that's okay, dad. Let's, let's drive to Oregon. Let's do a road trip then. And so we took five weeks and hit all these amazing national parks, state parks on the way up to Oregon and on the way back. And it was, you know, 8,000 miles in about five weeks. And it was, it was just incredible. Oh, awesome. Hey, shoot me a photo from that trip. Oh, okay. So I can use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And since that time on the road uh, with your kid, it just, it, it, it was priceless. So, like, I, I guess, like, that was my way of, of dealing with COVID was like, okay, well, we, we, we've had this awesome plan. We had this awesome trip set up, but that got shut down. So, let's make the most of this. Yeah. Driving across the country and, and, and camping, you know, that's really going to reduce our exposure to the virus. And, you know, we're social distancing in, in our tent, masking up. Yeah. And, and it, w- it was really interesting just driving through rural America and all the the Trump flags. And it was it was it was very interesting, <laughs> the, the dichotomy of, of this country just the conservative rural areas and the liberal urban areas, you know, it's it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was that, I I guess, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that, that were just would have been too afraid to do that. You know, there's just too much uncertainty out there. And it was like, well, you know, maybe we did Mm -hmm. put ourselves at, at some unnecessary risk, but based on, on the information that we had, you know, we had our hand sanitizer, our masks, kept our distance, just did what we could to mitigate the risk. And we had an awesome time, had an amazing time. And move forward. I have to end this. I love talking to you, but really, really, if anything, it's kind of like go towards the, go towards the problem, go towards the pain. You know, you're given a pandemic, so let's get in the car and go toward. Let's go. Let's go toward Oregon. Let's go toward mm-hmm. uh, your parents' house. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, in your face, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually our language is pretty colorful. <laughs> we haven't re- we've been really uh, quite uh, uh, quite professional, but yeah, in your face, COVID. <laughs> Ah, uh, Tim. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you, Ren. Stay well. Take care. Give your ladies a, a hug and kiss for me. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.